Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. I usually ask this at the end of the episode, but I know some of you are like, I'm out of here as soon as the last phrases are uttered. So I'm going to ask you now, for those of you who are Apple Podcasts users, will you please do me the honor of doing one of two things? Either going to Thriving Thoughts with Dr. Sherry on your Apple app, scrolling down to the bottom and clicking five stars. It's as simple as that. Or write a one or two sentence review about why you listen to the show. That will help us get in front of even more people. It will honestly up the show in the rankings, not for my benefit, but so that these conversations, these candid conversations about thriving alone that I'm having with my guests will reach somebody where they need to be reached, when they need to be reached. So thanks in advance for doing that. Also, remember, you can be a part of my Thriving Thoughts texting community. All you need to do is text the word THRIVE to 540-369-2139. The links are in the show notes. Today, my friends, I want to talk to you. Are you a rescuer? Do you know somebody who's a rescuer? Now, you know what I mean by rescuing, right? Like we see something going on with somebody and we want to dive in and rescue. We want to fix the problem. We have the solution and here we are to save the day, right? Well, maybe you don't, you know, put your cape on and run out the door or change clothes in a phone booth. Rescuing comes in very, very simple ways. And the reason we're talking about it today is that sometimes rescuing is uninvited and not beneficial for you. You might be thinking, but rescuing is a good thing. Being a hero is a valiant thing. It's good to stand up for people. It's good to defend others. It's good to have their back. Well, yes and no. Here's the truth I want you to remember. When we are quick to teach or trust and slow to rescue, others can rise and thrive. That's right. When we are quick to teach and not to rescue, quick to teach, slow to rescue, others have the opportunity to rise and thrive. And so do you. We're going to talk about both of those things. But first, why do we rescue? If you're a rescuer, if you identify yourself as that, somebody who tends to want to rescue, why do we do that? Well, consciously, we see a need. Consciously, we see an obstacle. Consciously, we see something and we think, I'm a problem solver. I have a solution. Let me go offer that. Subconsciously, in our thought worlds, I don't think we think about this. This is a noble gesture. This is kind of me to rescue. It's kind of me to fly in with a solution. Most of us don't think of our actions like that, consciously at least. The other thing we think without thinking it, so we do, we rescue without thinking, We think that the person we are rescuing needs our rescue. Think about that. Is there somebody in your life, maybe an adult child, a child themselves? I actually have a short story I'm going to share here with you quickly. A friend? Who in your life do you tend to rescue? A stranger even? Keep that person in mind as we continue to understand why we rescue and why it's potentially harmful to us and to others. So my niece, who is now 13 years old, when she was probably two, I guess, she, well, she was diagnosed since birth with Down syndrome. And that comes with a lot of developmental delays, including muscle tone and strength. 
So she was army crawling around this time. Maybe she was about two years old. My brother and sister-in-law will have to correct me on this. And I was babysitting her. And she was in the living room drinking her bottle, kind of laying on the floor drinking her bottle. And I was in the kitchen. But I was within eyesight of her. And I looked around and she had dropped her bottle. She went to reach for it. And as she reached for it, her hand slapped the bottle further away. And so here she is, and she's kind of trying to army crawl and get closer to that bottle to be able to retrieve it, recover it. And she keeps pushing it further and further away until finally it flew under the couch. And I could hear her grunting in frustration and starting to get upset, but she didn't give up. And I didn't dive in to rescue her. You see, what we do is we see somebody struggling, and because it makes us uncomfortable... It makes us maybe feel guilty, makes us think of one of those shoulds, we should do something. That's why we take action. Rarely is it solely for the purpose of offering help. There's a psychological element at play here of needing to be needed. We're going to get into that in just a second. But before we do, let's answer the question of what rescuing or not rescuing communicates. You see, when we dive in to rescue, when someone hasn't asked for it, so this is unbeckoned rescue, we do communicate several things to the person that we are rescuing. We are communicating that you can't do it alone and you are frail. You are incapable of handling the situation yourself. And now we live in a culture in which we have defined others as delicate, too delicate to handle something and That's just not the school of thought that I belong to. I believe that you are 100% capable of making any decision that you want to make and you're 100% capable of handling the consequences, good or bad, of those choices. I don't believe that you're in need of rescue. I believe all of us are in need of spiritual rescue, but that is not what we're talking about here. When we don't rescue, like when I was in the kitchen kind of cringing, like, oh, I hope she can get that bottle and kind of feeling bad that I wasn't going in to rescue her. And I'm sure I would have at some point, but she reached the bottle on her own without me. She did it. So guess what? Because I didn't rescue, she got a sense of accomplishment. She got this motivation, this dopamine burst in her brain that says, ah, I can do it. That means I can do it again. Had I gone in to rescue, she wouldn't have had that opportunity. I wouldn't have given her the opportunity to rise and thrive. You see how that works? When we're quick to teach or quick to trust that somebody has this, Then they can rise and thrive because we've chosen to resist our urge to rescue. Now, there's an important distinction here. Help, rescue. Yes, if someone asks us for it, yes, let's go do that. But did you know that you don't have to volunteer for every problem you see? You don't have to be the rescuer for every person in your life. You don't have to be the savior for every problem that you see. In fact, it will leave you feeling depleted. It will leave you feeling unappreciated. It will leave you feeling ungrateful. And every time you rescue, you communicate to the other person that they're not capable and they just can't do it alone. They're weak. They're delicate. They can't handle it. Friends, let's change the message. Let's instead be quick to teach. Teach that you are capable of making decisions. You're you're capable of making great decisions. Here, let's give one another the tools with the gifts that we have. Let's share, let's teach those tools. Let's not rescue so that we coddle. Let's teach 
the tools. Where in your life do you rescue? Is it with an adult child? Is it with your significant other? Is it in enabling a behavior that's really damaging or potentially harmful to somebody else or yourself? Where do you see yourself rescuing without request? That's the distinction. When somebody calls upon us for help, let us respond to that call and let us wait for that call. Issues of obvious safety, when we see another human being in danger, no, we don't need permission to dive in to help. Although these days, who knows, you might get sued if you dive in to help and you do it wrong. See, there's that little cynical piece of me that pops out from time to time. Yep, even I have that. But I learned to put it back in its place. We rescue habitually, if you're a rescuer, because the truth is you need to be needed. That doesn't mean you're needy. It means that you love to be needed. You need to be needed. And one of the ways in which you can evidence that feeling of being needed is to dive in and rescue. I'm here to tell you that you are needed without being needed to be needed, without being needed. (laughs) It's very convoluted. You are necessary regardless if anybody needs help. You don't need to be needed. Use your gifts to serve other people. Yes but not to rescue because when we rescue, unbidden rescue, we communicate to the other person that they don't have the ability to rise and thrive. And we deny the fact that we are needed and necessary, even if we don't jump in to save the day. So remember this thriving thought today and this week and the days ahead, my friends. Let us be quick to teach and trust and slow to rescue. And let's watch others rise and thrive. Guess what? Monday's episode is episode number 100. You guys, episode 100 drops on Monday evening. You're not going to want to miss it. My dear friend, Stephanie Pinkney, who I happened to meet on LinkedIn of all places, and we connected. She has a heart for serving women who are in the corporate world who are dealing with a medical diagnosis or a big diagnosis of some kind that is impacting their ability to work or conversely impacting others' perceptions of their ability to work. You are not going to want to miss that. Until Monday, friends, remember to speak truth over the lies and you will thrive in any